left, the right, the right, left, left, the right, the right, glass. Greetings, this is podcast number 36 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today we're heavy on the foreign policy. The theme is fighting back. Three Latin American nations are fighting for dignity and economic justice against the right-wing multinational alliance. Oh, let's get right into it. All over the globe, men are revolting against old systems of exploitation and oppression. I've discussed in previous podcasts how the U.S. fights against democratic elections when such elections threaten to put in power those the right wing and the multinationals disapprove of. The heck with democracy when it interferes with exploitation of third world natural resources. Well, after they're elected, these progressive third world leaders have been fighting back against the right wing multinational alliance. This is happening, among other places, in Bolivia and Venezuela, where there have been some new developments that I want to tell you about. And it's beginning to happen in Mexico as well, where the likely next president, a progressive, is fighting back even before he's elected. My sources here are articles from the New York Times, the Interpress Service, and the Associated Press. Let me apologize in advance for any mispronunciations and inconsistent pronunciations of Spanish words and names. Some wonderful clips you'll hear interspersed throughout are of Martin Luther King Jr. Sorry, there will of necessity also be, representing the dark side, Bill O'Reilly, Newt Gingrich, Pat Robertson, and Dick Morris. Some of these clips I put into a sound collage. We'll start off first with Bolivia. A true revolution of values will soon look uneasily on the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth with righteous indignation. It will look across the seas and see individual capitalists of the West investing huge sums of money in Asia, Africa, and South America only to take the profits out with no concern for the social betterment of the countries and say this is not just. It will look at our alliance with the landed gentry of South America and say this is not just. Evo Morales, as a candidate for president of Bolivia, said this is not just. He promised to govern in the interests of the poor majority of Bolivia, not the multinationals. The right wing desperately funded opposition groups hoping to stop the election of Evo Morales. He won anyway by a landslide. And he is, thank goodness, fulfilling the right wing's nightmare, holding multinationals accountable. Morales is fighting back. He's going to make sure that the wealth generated by his country's huge natural gas reserves 
does not go disproportionately into the already too deep pockets of the multinationals. First, quote, the government of President Abel Morales is now renegotiating contracts that will cost the companies much more in taxes and royalties, close quote. And well, it should. The majority of Bolivia's people are desperately poor, dirt floor poor, the children die of hunger and disease poor, and their country's wealth should be used to help them, not the multinationals. Second, and this is great, the Morales government has, quote, charged three former presidents and eight former energy ministers with violating the Constitution in signing dozens of contracts with foreign energy companies over the last decade without Congress's approval. The contracts attracted billions of dollars in investments but angered groups that accused the firms of plundering Bolivia's resources, close quote. So, there's going to be some accountability leveled at the puppet governments that did the multinationals bidding while their fellow citizens starved. Would that we could get some of that violating the Constitution accountability here in the U.S.? In 1957, a sensitive American official overseas said that it seemed to him that our nation was on the wrong side of a world revolution. During the past 10 years, we have seen emerge a pattern of suppression, which has now justified the presence of U.S. military advisors in Venezuela. Let's talk about Venezuela. Still the victim of U.S. intervention and aggression nearly 40 years after Martin Luther King Jr. spoke these words. I've devoted entire podcasts to the right wings being in a foaming-at-the-mouth frenzy over Hugo Chavez, who's been elected multiple times in elections certified free and fair by the OAS, the Carter Center, etc. Chavez survived a U.S.-supported coup, and Chavez currently still enjoys a high approval rating in Venezuela. Maybe that's because he's using Venezuela's oil revenue to improve the lives of the poor majority in that country with food, medical care, housing, and education programs. Helping the poor, not just through private charity, which is well and good but essentially a band-aid, but through social justice measures, a cardinal sin to right-wingers. When you hear far-left Americans use the terms economic justice or income inequality, you should know these are code words for socialism. And to top it all off, Chavez tells the right-wingers in control of Washington to go F themselves, essentially. This all drives them wild. They're communist socialists down there. He's going to make that a launching pad for communist infiltration and, and uh, Muslim extremism all over the continent. You know, I don't know about this doctrine of assassination, but if he thinks we're trying to assassinate him, I think we really ought to go ahead and do it. Robertson dares to say what most of the right wing would rather accomplish in the shadows, in secret, without saying so. But Chavez is fighting back. In recent developments, here are three ways he's doing so. 
one using oil as a defensive weapon against US interference with his rule two leveling the economic playing field three making the US think twice about the likelihood of success of military intervention here are the details using oil as a defensive weapon the headline of this interpress service story reads Chavez threatens to cut off oil to US if it goes too far quote Venezuela's president Hugo Chavez has warned he was taking potential steps to cut off oil shipments to the United States in the event Washington goes too far campaigning against his elected leftist rule quote the US government must know that if it crosses the line it won't be getting Venezuelan oil the leftist leader cautioned last Friday repeating threats he has made in his long simmering dispute with the United States Chavez who did not clarify how Washington might incur such a sanction apparently was reacting to Thursday's call by US Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice for an international united front against Venezuela close quote Chavez takes care to explain why his threat is real quote many countries ask us for more oil and we've had to answer that we can't give them any more because among other things of the million and a half barrels of our production that goes to the United States close quote Chavez's comments were echoed a week later by Venezuela's oil minister quote if our country our process our Constitution are attacked by the Bush administration we are not going to send any more oil oil minister Rafael Ramirez told the Ultimis Noticias daily in an interview we'll see then which of the two governments is able to manage this type of a situation better close quote this is the role our nation has taken the role of those who make peaceful revolution impossible by refusing to give up the privileges and the pleasures that come from the immense profits of overseas investments a second way the Chavez government is fighting back is by working to reverse decades of exploitation by US and other Western multinationals to reverse and undo the damage caused by the immense profits of overseas investments taken out of Venezuela by these mega corporations Chavez's quote raising taxes shifting control of projects to Venezuela's national oil company and welcoming state control companies from Iran China and India as exploration partners close quote there are already good results in the tax collection area quote Chevron the second largest American oil company agreed to pay 50.2 million dollars in back taxes interest and fines BP of Britain will pay about 14 million dollars close quote some companies have to be pressured quote total of France made a similar outstanding tax payment of about 19 million dollars this week after its administrative offices in Caracas were shut down by authorities for two days this month close quote there are good results also in the shifting control effort quote 
private oil companies had run 32 oil fields in Venezuela independently under contract with the government. The state oil company, PDVSA, was forced to buy oil from the companies at five times the cost of extraction. But Venezuela demanded last year those contracts be changed into so-called mixed company joint ventures that give PDVSA a minimum 60% stake. The new joint ventures will allow PDVSA to save $31 billion over the next 12 years, PDVSA director Eulogio Del Pino told reporters, close quote. That money, $31 billion, rightly belongs to hungry, poorly housed, sick without medical care Venezuelans. Most of the foreign companies are acquiescing, not of course out of any shame for their past transgressions, but out of concern to safeguard their investments. Quote, Most foreign oil companies operating there, including some of the largest energy concerns from the United States, Britain, and France, have acquiesced to government requests for higher taxes, royalties, and even fines, apparently betting the ventures would still be profitable even with a larger share of revenue going to the state. Twenty companies have signed on to the new legal framework to create joint ventures. Close quote. On the other hand, some companies just picked up and left. Quote, some other companies, including Exxon, decided to sell their stakes among the 32 Venezuelan oil properties rather than go along with the new terms. Another five oil fields were voluntarily returned to PDVSA after companies with stakes decided to turn them over rather than operate them as joint ventures. Closed quote. Venezuelan officials are showing some real cojones in dealing with such multinationals who apparently aren't interested in establishing a fair and equitable working relationship with Venezuela. No, they apparently think only if we can continue to exploit and plunder Venezuela's natural resources will we operate there. Quote, Few moves can rattle the executive suites of companies here in Houston, but one that did came late this week. A comment from Venezuela's energy minister, Rafael Ramirez, who essentially told Exxon that it was no longer welcome in Venezuela. Quote, we don't want them to be here then, Mr. Ramirez said Thursday in a television interview in relation to Exxon's earlier decision to sell its stake in an oil field to Repsol of Spain rather than submit to a venture controlled by PDVSA. If Venezuela needs Exxon, Mr. Ramirez said, we'll call them. Close quote. Don't call us, we'll call you. I love it. And just this week, Venezuela took the ultimate step, seizing two oil fields from France's Total and Italy's ENISPA. Quote, These two companies resisted adjusting to our laws, oil minister Rafael Ramirez said at a news conference. Those fields returned to total, absolute control by PDVSA. Close quote.
By the way, if any right-wingers start ranting and raving that Chavez is preventing capitalism from flourishing, point out to them that their anger should be directed elsewhere. Quote, In Washington, the Energy Department issued a report this month concluding that Venezuela still offered a more favorable investment climate for American companies than Saudi Arabia, the most pivotal member of OPEC, and Mexico, where long-standing nationalism and constitutional law prevent foreign companies from exploring for oil, close quote. Let me just mention here a particularly disgusting comment by a particularly disgusting person, Condoleezza Rice. She said, quote, The international community has just got to be more active in supporting and defending the Venezuelan people. Close quote. Defending the Venezuelan people? You mean, you Bushian enabler? defending only the elite few in Venezuela who previously solely benefited from Venezuela's oil along with their multinational corporate patrons. I didn't hear the right wing defending the Venezuelan people when the Venezuelan people were starving while a few in that country stole all the oil revenue. Speaking of defending people, this brings us to the third way Chavez is fighting back, truly defending the Venezuelan people, doing all he can to prevent U.S. military intervention against him. You need to understand that an enemy is an enemy, and Chavez is clearly an enemy of freedom, an enemy of the United States. A socialist communist campaign, which is very, very dangerous. We ought to have a much more aggressive strategy. The headline reads, Chavez readies troops to battle U.S. The article goes on, quote, Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez on Sunday said he wants to update military training methods to prepare for a war of resistance against U.S. troops. It's our responsibility to prepare ourselves for a war of resistance, Chavez said during his weekly broadcast. The U.S. government has repeatedly denied Chavez's claims that it is considering a military attack to oust him. But Chavez warned U.S. President George W. Bush not to try it. He would totally bite the dust, Chavez said. We are prepared to defend this land whatever it takes. Close quote. Venezuela has only 25 million people and no WMDs although I'm waiting for the Bushians to start claiming it does. How could Venezuela defend against the U.S.? Think Vietnam and Iraq. Quote, Chavez said Venezuela's military no longer has use for its old strategic manuals dating to World War II. He said Venezuela's military has begun instilling in soldiers the concept of asymmetric war in which guerrilla tactics like hit-and-run attacks are used to counter a stronger military force. He said the new military philosophy should be based on the thinking of revolutionary heroes who once helped free the country from Spanish rule. He recalled how Indians armed only with bows and arrows once held off the Spanish. Close quote. 
And unlike Iraq, with its desert terrain and few places to hide, quote, Chavez, a former army paratroop commander, said the mountains around Caracas provide excellent cover and are ideal for a war of resistance, close quote. So in that sense, a Venezuelan resistance would have some of the terrain advantages the guerrillas had in Vietnam. Chavez's bluster has an intelligent purpose. Let the right wing know that there would be a pre-organized guerrilla resistance should the U.S. invade. Chavez is assuming that after getting burned in Iraq by one, the certainty of facing another in Venezuela would give Washington pause. It gets even better. Beyond trying to forestall any U.S. military action against him, Chavez is also thinking on a broader scale. Quote, the Venezuelan leader said the U.S. Quote, should know that if it wants or someday decides to invade any of our countries, be it Venezuela, Cuba, Bolivia, El Salvador, Nicaragua, today, tomorrow, or the next day, we would be there gathering together the revolutionaries to do battle with weapons in hand against U.S. imperialism. Close quote. A defense pact against U.S. attack. I presume that could also entail an oil cutoff by Venezuela. A not so minor threat. And perhaps an inducement away from further U.S. war crimes in Latin America. Why do I say further U.S. war crimes? Quote, The United States has accused Chavez of trying to export his socialist revolution to neighboring countries, saying he is a destabilizing force in the region. But he calls that nonsense, saying he's simply trying to resist U.S. imperialism. Chavez argues he poses no threat saying Washington is the one with a history of invading countries from Iraq to Panama, close quote. Is that not true? As always, the Bushians accuse others of that which they are most guilty of themselves. Have we not been a destabilizing force, not least in Latin America? by overthrowing governments and installing and or supporting brutal dictatorships? Remember, as I've explained in prior podcasts, we need to decode right-wing buzz phrases. Saying someone is a destabilizing force often merely means that they are governing in the interests of the poor and thus setting a bad example that other impoverished peoples would want to emulate. Believe you me, right-wingers would rather face a nuclear, anthrax, and nerve-gas-armed opponent than one possessing the moral force wielded by those who govern in the interest of a nation's poor majority. You might say morality and decency are the cross to the right-wing vampire. Right-wingers are those who possess power without compassion, might without morality, and strength without sight. 
let's finish up with a Mexican leader fighting back. With a little over three months left until the Mexican presidential election, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, as reported by the New York Times, quote, appears to have consolidated his position as the front runner, and many political strategists now predict he will win unless he stumbles spectacularly. Two polls this week showed him a solid 10 points above the other two candidates in a three-way race with around 40% of the vote. Close quote. How is he fighting back? By uttering the forbidden words, expressing the forbidden thoughts that right-wingers would forever ban, like in George Orwell's 1984, from the human vocabulary. Quote, he has expertly tapped into the widespread belief that politicians and their cronies among the business elite have enriched themselves while the average worker has seen little improvement in his or her day-to-day life, close quote. Note to James C. McKinley Jr., the reporter who wrote this article. You term it a widespread belief that the business elite have enriched themselves while the average worker has seen little improvement in his or her day-to-day life. You make it sound false. Is this belief not the truth in Mexico? Indeed, is this belief not the truth in the U.S. as well? Continuing on, listen to Lopez Obrador's platform. Quote, You can't have a rich government and an impoverished people, he said to crowds on a swing through Oaxaca State this week. His spiel is simple, and he almost never strays from it. He promises to cut the salaries of top government officials and the president himself. He vows to do away with lavish pensions for ex-presidents. He says he will slash wasteful government spending and root out corruption in the government and entities like the state-owned oil monopoly Pemex, close quote. I wonder what he's going to do with that money he saves. Exactly what the right wing would least want him to do. Quote, Lopez Obrador says that with the savings that will rack up, he will establish food subsidies for the elderly, monthly stipends for the disabled, free health care, free education through college, and aid for single mothers. He also pledges to cut the cost of electricity, natural gas, and gasoline, all of which are relatively expensive in Mexico despite its oil reserves. He gets big applause when he says that he will improve water and sewage systems throughout the country, a sore point for many working-class people who suffer through frequent water failures and often live in places without sewage systems. Close quote. Imagine that, using the oil wealth of his country to help the people of his country. Just like Chavez is doing in Venezuela with that nation's oil proceeds and Morales in Bolivia with its natural gas revenues. Well, you know, them there's fighting words to the Bushians. Lopez Obrador is already coming into their gun sights.
Now, Whoa, this, communist, this communist who's running for the presidency of Mexico, President. can he be beaten? Yes, he might. Uh, and, but this guy is from the radical left-wing party, and he could go either way. The Mexican election is, you know, very, very critical to the USA. Dick, Crucial thanks very much. The US. Even worse in right-wing eyes, Lopez Obrador speaks forbidden words about the entire world economic system. Quote, Mr. Lopez Obrador also says he wants to renegotiate the fair trade agreement with the United States to protect more farmers and workers in other weak sectors. The next president of Mexico will not be a puppet of anyone, he said here on Thursday, a veiled suggestion that Mr. Fox has been too closely allied with Washington. Then he added, quote, we are going to protect our markets as they do in the rest of the world. Close quote. Saying he won't be a puppet of the multinationals and those who do their bidding in Washington? Protecting his markets? Why, he's a danger to the U.S. worse than WMDs. Listen to Dick Morris hyperventilate in an article he published this week entitled Menace in Mexico. Quote, Venezuela and Mexico export about 4 million barrels of oil each day to the United States, more than one-third of our oil imports. With both countries in the hands of leftist leaders, the opportunity to hold the U.S. hostage will be extraordinary. Mexico with its vast oil reserves and its long border and free trade agreement with the United States, would be the crown jewel for America's enemies. Think we have security problems now with Vicente Fox leading Mexico? Just wait until we have a 2,000-mile border with a chum of Chavez and Castro. Lopez Obrador could be the final piece in their grand plan to bring the United States to its knees before the newly resurgent Latin left. Close quote. Their grand plan? Again, a bit of the psychological phenomenon of projection here, perhaps. The old accuse others of that which you are most guilty of yourself. Are not we the ones, the U.S. and the West, who have kept the Latin American nations on their knees for hundreds of years? I hope if Lopez Obrador is elected, he takes care of himself and watches his back real good. Just like Chavez and Morales are undoubtedly doing. The graveyards of the third world are full of those, leaders as well as common citizens, who have dared to oppose U.S. control. The good news is, I think many of these nations and their citizens are now in a better position to effectively fight back than they ever were. Chavez, Morales, and Lopez Obrador are leading the way. Now let me be clear, as I always say, 
I am not endorsing everything these three gentlemen do or say. I am endorsing their ruling in the interests of the poor majority of their countries. The United States needs to keep its blood-soaked hands off them. We have to do our share as U.S. citizens to fight as hard as we can to force our government to get on the correct side of history, to make the following words of a great man, this powerful challenge from a modern-day prophet, come true. These are revolutionary times all over the globe. Men are revolting against old systems of exploitation and oppression. And out of the wounds of a frail world, new systems of justice and equality are being born. The shirtless and barefoot people of the land are rising up as never before. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. We in the West must support these revolutions. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. There's not going to be time for listener email or the promo I had scheduled from another progressive podcaster. We'll have those next time. Even without those, if you liked what you heard, please tell all your friends about Blast the Right. There's a simple one-click send this page to a friend link on my podcast homepage. Also, I want to ask you to please take a minute and go to podcastalley.com and vote for Blast the Right. I really want to try to crack into the top 10 there. If I get into the top 10, that earns a place on the Podcast Alley homepage. That's an enormous amount of publicity and hopefully a big surge in listenership. On the top right of my podcast homepage, I put a one-click link to vote for Blast the Right at Podcast Alley. Please go do it. I'd really appreciate it. If you'd like more information about U.S. intervention in Venezuela and Bolivia, check out podcasts 18, 22, and 28. Music credits. We're going to end the podcast with a little bit of Catapult the Propaganda by Nye's Music, N-I-S-E music.com. I want to give a real special thanks to MediaMatters.org for the Dick Morris clip. I had recorded it, I lost it, I called Media Matters, and in a couple of hours, they emailed me a replacement clip. What a great group. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page, which is linked to off the main podcast homepage. Also, links to all the statistics and quotations I use on the podcast can be found on my data resources page, also linked to off the main podcast homepage. A note to everyone listening from a Podomatic feed or a Libsyn feed. Those feeds are going to be over soon, so... You need to change to the FeedBurner feed. Go to my podcast homepage and get it. I love to receive all your comments, pro and con. Please send your email to rational at adelphia.net. Also, you can call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. 
Dial 310-933-5891 and leave the comment. And if you're on Skype, you can reach me at Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. The kind of catapult the propaganda. In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again. The kind of catapult the propaganda. Catapult the propaganda.